Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Salatu ve selamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ehli beytihi tahirin. I would like to greet, uh, first of all, I would like to greet uh, all of you with a traditional Mevlevi morning greetings, which says, Sabah-ı şerifler hayır olsun, hayırlar feth olsun, şerler def olsun. Which means, let this morning shine upon us, the light of this morning shine upon us, and let a, the goodness open upon us and let uh, be, uh, be the evil be uh, locked, the doors of evil be locked for us. So my profound thanks for inviting me on uh, such an auspicious gathering and giving me the privilege of addressing such a select audience. Yes, my title is we sucked milk from two mothers. History of ideas and thoughts are history are a history of creations, innovations, and inspirations. Genealogy of ideas are very similar to the genealogy of human race. Marriages of ideas gives a third entity, a newborn. Alchemical process has same rules as well. So like great Muslim philosophers, Al-Farabi's attempt to synthesis of the ideas, between the ideas of Plato and Aristotle in his famous book, Al-Jam Bayna Ra'i Al-Hakimayn, the Ottoman Sufi tradition tried to do the same for great master Ibn al-Arabi and Mevlana Jalat al-Rumi, their ideas. I will try to figure out how Ibn al-Arabi's teachings became unified with Rumi's ideas in Ottoman land and gave birth of a so-called Ottoman Sufism, art, poetry, architecture, etc. Of course, uh, because of shortage of time in this lecture, we will not be able to cover all those different areas of Ottoman uh, intellectual and daily life. The title of my speech, as you see, is a metaphor which was used firstly by Sadreddin al-Konevi. The sentence first used by Sadreddin al-Konevi. His first master and in the field of Gnosis in Irfan, as well as his father-in-law, was Grand Master Muhyiddin ibn Arabi, as all of you know. After some time, uh, in Sufi tradition, you know, uh, sometime uh, if you are a Sufi master and you have a son or daughter to be trained, uh, you, you should send him or her to another master because, uh, because since you are his genealogical uh, father, uh, it can be some physical and uh, archetypical barriers in front of you between father and son uh, to learn uh, something deeply. So uh, this is a, a tactic, a kind of uh, initiatic tactic. He sent Sadreddin Konevi to whom, uh, which came to Anatolia uh, from eastern part, it's called Awadid al-Kirmani, 
from Iran, from Kirman. Uh, Mohitin and Ewhaditin, they met each other in Cairo. Uh, then he sent Sadretin Konevi uh, to go there to meet him and to learn something from him. And yes, Sadretin Konevi did it. Uh, at the end, he said this sentence. I sucked uh, two milks, I sucked milks from two mothers, which means Ibn al-Arabi and uh, Kirmani. By the way, uh, for your information, uh, Al Kirmani, when he came to Anatolia, he settled down the area we call it El Azul now. Uh, the the first one which I discovered, maybe uh, I might say, uh, if you look at the uh, his books and the history about Al Tarika spiritual path. Uh, it says, uh, the book says that he, with all his murids, pupils, he was doing zikr ceremony during the full moon time in the uh, outside of the city with the candles in hand. They were making zikr with the candles. Now, today, we, as all places has, uh, folklore dances of each city of Turkey. Especially Elazığ folkloric dances today, a little bit profanized, of course. Even I asked some uh, uh, folklore dancers from this city, they didn't know they originated from uh, the zikr ceremony of Evhadiyya uh, Tarika. Even today, uh, Elaz uh, uh, folkloric dances, they are doing uh, these dances with the candles. Uh, yes, of course, uh, according to some sources, especially Mevlevi sources, those two greed men, Ibn Arabi and uh, Mevlana, which we will talk on those two oceans today, uh, they were they they met in worldly life also in Damascus. Uh, in Aflaki's Menakbul Arifin, we saw that yes, they met each other when Ibn Arabi was uh, around seventy years old, when uh, Mevlana Jalal Rumi was about ten years old. Behind, when they were walking, uh, Mevlana uh, Rumi uh, was walking behind his father. Uh, Sultanul Ulama, and it it it, it was reported, uh, it was said that uh, when Ibn Arabi saw those two father and son, and he said that look at an ocean is walking behind a river, uh, so he uh, predicted uh, that Rumi, when he will grow up, uh, physical sense in a spiritual sense also he will be. Uh, more um, bigger uh, in a spiritual sense than his father. Since Grandmaster Ibn al-Arabi predicted their coming, as you know, Ibn al-Arabi he lived at the uh, end of uh, end of the years of the Seljuk period. Ottoman uh, were not established yet. Uh, Ibn al-Arabi predicted their coming. Ottomans considered him as their spiritual father. 
Sheikh Al-Akbar Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi had predicted the rise and fall of Ottoman Empire in an attributed book, which is not clear this book is belong to him or not. It is called Shejara An-Nu'maniya fi Dawlat Al-Uthmaniya. Uh, at the very beginning of Ottoman Sejara uh, genealogy, the o- Ottoman imperial tree, there was a spiritual seed, or if we liken that moment to giving birth, there was a spiritual father to uh, Otom- founder of Ottoman Empire, which is called Osman Ghazi. Osman Ghazi has a spiritual master, which is called Adab- who is called Edabali. Uh, it was reported that this man, Adabali, also met Ibn al-Arabi in Damascus and he was follower of Ibn al-Arabi. So, spiritual master of the founder of Ottoman Empire was Mangazi, spiritual master is Adabali. He was the follower of Ibn al-Arabi, which means that Ibn al-Arabi's ideas also transmitted through this man, which is uh, Adabali, to the uh, Ottoman Sultans. Uh, so those kind of, uh, sorry, uh, also we find now in the Ottoman archives uh, during the uh, most centuries Ottomans paid attribute, paid tribute, paid uh, too much uh, money to the uh, Ibn al-Arabi's mausoleum in Damascus. They maintained, they kept uh, this uh, complex uh, in a good condition always. As all we know that Ibn al-Arabi's uh, tomb also was discovered. For two centuries it was dis- disappeared uh, because of some uh, anti-Sufi movements uh, at the time in Damascus area, uh, Ibn al-Rabi's tomb was uh, unknown. Uh, when Sultan Selim was uh, returning back from Cairo, uh, suddenly, according to sources, suddenly, it, was, it wasn't in his plan to go to Damascus. Suddenly, he moved, uh, he shifted, uh, uh, he changed his plan went to Damascus and ordered uh, the people, the masters around him, to find Ibn al-Arabi's tomb. And they discovered Ibn al-Arabi's tomb with a spiritual uh, method, which is called Keshf al-Kubur. Keshf al-Kubur is a method of, uh, according to Sufism, it says the first Keshf of Murid. You know, Murid and a spiritual disciple uh, if he wants, he or she wants to travel in a Sufi path, first thing it happens is to discover ground, what is underground. <laughs> this is first thing, uh, in a classical sense. Uh, yes, uh, the Shaykhul Islam, which is head of the legislative uh, body, or let's say uh, fiqh, jurisprudence, it is called Sheikhul Islam. I'm not giving an example from the Sheikh of Tekia. I'm giving an example of from Islamic law uh, career, which is head of this uh, court called Sheikhul Islam. 
Ibn Kemal Pashazadeh issued an official fatwa against some externalist, which is called Ulamai Zahir, uh, who had started to publicly criticize Ibn al-Arabi's ideas during Ottoman period. And the famous fatwas of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Kemal, in this regard, he uh, reads, he says, I quote, There are some points in Futahat al-Makkiyyah, and these points embody hidden meanings to old worldly oriented people. He himself oriented, uh, he is a Shaykh al-Islam, he's speaking now, not uh, Sufi Shaykh. Outwardly oriented people, one who is inelig ineligible to perceive the meaning of an expressed idea is supposed to keep silent, following the advice of God in Quran, God says, and follow not that of which you have not the knowledge. If you don't have a knowledge, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should not consider, of course today in Islamic world there are many, many young generations, young Muslims, uh, I don't know where they were educated, they were trained, they spoke, they speak everything, uh, everything. They are 20 years old and they said, yes, this is uh, Yejus, this is not Allah Yejus, which means this is uh, you know, proper, this is not proper. So they decide. Uh, uh, contra tradition. Uh, till the end of 16th century, Ottoman bureaucratic circles, sultans, viziers were trained by the above-mentioned masters who were also the Sheikh al-Akbar's admirers. Now, at this very crucial point, I, I am repeating again this very important point. Uh, I want to take your attention to a very important coincidence between verticality and horizontality. Or in the Weberian, Max Weberian sense, mentality and historicity. While the bureaucratic elite was under the control of those Sufi-influenced scholars who were in some way or other the Sheikh al-Akbar's followers, the power of Ottoman Empire was at its height, both intellectually and militarily, the top. But from the end of the 16th century, when the Ottoman intellectual climate just for a moment began to tend to contract Sufi and anti-Akbarian ideas and their opponents, Kadizadeli and Chivizadeli, those uh, later it came from Arabic land into Ottoman land, we call it... Uh, uh, Ottoman Salafis, uh, let's say, uh, or Ottoman Wahhabis, if I can say, but <laughs> Wahhabism it was not at that time. Uh, so, whereas earlier Ottoman scholars had focused on high-level metaphysical issues, related problems such as how they could unite and benefit from all the three main religious groups, such as theologians, mutakallimin, philosophers, philosophers, and Sufis, which is Muhakkikin, they were thinking, they are focusing on those high metaphysical ideas. Later scholars, after the uh, influence of those uh, Salafism, restricted themselves to discussing very simple matters, such as the lawfulness of coffee, 
whether they will permit drinking coffee or not, or if someone drinks coffee, what we will be, how we will punish him or her. You know, they discuss long pages and pages, pages and pages. You see the difference? So, unfortunately, as a consequence of this narrow-minded barbarism, I say, many coffee hoses, yes, yes, true, because why I call it barbarism, I will tell you now, many coffee hoses were closed down and many coffee drinkers were sentenced. <laughs> Thanks uh, at that time, <laughs> uh, Starbucks was not created yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is more interesting is that, coincidentally, in these years, many techies, many Sufi lodges, parallel, uh, were suddenly attacked because of chanting divine law hymns and making Sema and Devran. At the same time, when they were attacked in coffee houses, they are attacked in the Sufi you know, same mentality, same approaches, same narrow-mindedness, so I call it a kind of barbarism. Many historians try to give mainly economic reasons for the Ottoman Empire's end. According to the Sufi view of history, this was merely a consequence for me. The change in mentality is much more important, and here the role of Ibn al-Arabi's ideas has not been noticed. For me, he was, and still is, the touchstone for analyzing later Islamic cultures. When and where was Ibn al-Arabi understood, or at least respected, and when and where was he not? This criteria has helped me much in my analysis of Muslim societies in past and now. According to those who are the view that there is no institutionalized tariqa, Sufi order, that can be attributed to Ibn al-Arabi. His way was of a spiritual knowledge above all orders. In fact, Ibn al-Arabi finds some tariqas at the time inadequate. Ismail Hakka Bursevi, one of famous Ottoman Akbarian claims that Ibn al-Arabi's path covers every tariqas and that all travelers in the path of Allah avail themselves of his instruction except those who cannot per persevere uh, and feel spiritual taste in the path. And that Ibn al-Arabi does not withhold his miraculous influence from capable ones. Anyone can benefit from his spiritual te teachings, no matter what tariqa or religious school they are from. On the other hand, there are those who allege that Ibn al-Arabi's path in an esoteric one. However, one who embraces Ibn al-Arabi's view of wahdad al-wujud, unity of being, multiple states of being, Hakikatul Muhammadiyya, the Muhammadan Logos, sainthood, manifestations of divine essence, tajalli zat, and manifestations of divine attributes and actions, 10 minutes, so short, 
I have too many pages here. <laughs> Look, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, anyone, manifestation of divine attributes and actions, vision, sphere of existence, spiritual traveling is supposed to be, if anyone consider and think on those ideas, it's supposed to be in his tarika, in his path. The Akbariya school of Sufism has been started by Sadreddin Konevi, Mu'ayyededdin Jandi, Tilimsani, Kaushani, Fargani, Iraqi, Kayseri, and very long uh, caravan. The spread of his ideas, especially through Turkic land, as you know, uh, the second period of a thinker is very important. What Pythagoras says and what the later Pythagoras was perceived. What Ibn al-Arabi said, what Prophet Muhammad said, and after two centuries or three centuries, and how was the perception of Muhammad? So peace be upon him. Again, what, who was Ibn al-Arabi? Who was Mevlana Jayat al-Rumi? And after how his ideas was digested in a sense, by others. So this is the second part of, uh, second period of Akbarian idea, or Mevlevi's idea is very important. We see all uh, three followers of Sadratin al-Konevi were from Central Asia. Mu'ayyadatin al-Jandi, Abdurazak al-Kashani, Kashani or Kasani, according to some uh, people, uh, it says that it is not from Kashan, it is from Kasan. Kasan is uh, near Maveran Nahir in tra Transoxania. Maveran Nahir. So, uh, Sa'iditin Fergani, you know, Sa'iditin Fergani's book it is called Muntahal Madarik, the end of uh, reasoning the end of reasoning, when it ends, it starts another stage. Muntahal uh, Madarik, he says that in his book, this is actually is not my book. Everyone attributed this book, it says that it's uh, Fergani's book, Muntahal Madarik, commentary on Ta'iyya, commentary on poetry. Actually, at the beginning, the preface, he says that, I was taking notes when my master, Sadratin al-Konavi, was explaining to us in Persian. The, uh, you see these multi-languages of the uh, Gnosis. The original poetry of uh, Ibn al-Farad in Arabic, but Konavi was explaining these Arabic poems in Persian, and Fergani is a a uh, man from Central Asia, he was taking notes. And he says that these notes uh, I was taken from the mouth of uh, my master, Sadretin Konevi. And Konevi, so for me, this book is belong to Konevi, not Fergani. But again, Konevi says in one of his book, when I was teaching when I was commenting on the oaths of uh, Ibn al-Farid, 
he started first in Damascus, then moved to Cairo, then it uh, ended in uh, Konya. When I was commenting on those verses, first I was meditating to the spirit of my grandmaster Ibn al-Arabi. And my master Ibn al-Arabi was saying, was explaining on these verses, then I entered the room and I was telling the, uh, this commentary. So spiritually, this commentary is belong to whom? Physically, it belong to someone wrote his name on the cover page, which is Saadatin Fergani. But spiritually, it belong to Saadatin uh, Konevi. But Konevi confessed that is everything I took it from uh, Ibn al-Arabi. Again, Ibn al-Arabi says, Anything I took it, especially in Fusilicam and some other books, he says that God bestowed upon me. It was my ilham, it was inspiration which God sent to my heart. So this book is belong to who? <laughs> it's a question. So this is a vertical chain is very important. Uh, if you are uh, connected with chain, uh, which means uh, your system is working. Sacred geography, uh, uh, I will shift this part, sacred geography, uh, which uh, why, why at that time uh, some Sufi masters from Andalusia, from far, uh, far west, and such as Rumi and Awadidin uh, from East, they met in Anatolia. What was the reason behind why they came to Anatolia? So from their books, we saw that all of them, by instruction, Ibn al-Arabi, when he was meditating in front of Kaaba, he said that uh, suddenly I heard a voice, and it says, Kum wa izhab ila biladur rum. Stand up, O Mahitin, and go to Anatolia. He said, Chesh. He said, All right. And he did it. Uh, another one, El Hadithin. He met on the way with El Hadithin, and he said that, uh, Why? Uh, where are you going? I, I'm going to Anatolia. Why? I was uh, uh, to do so, I was ordered to do so. So there is a divine uh, inclination or divine uh, uh, sending all those meetings, all those uh, high masters. Why? Because uh, according to Sufi tradition, uh, it says that uh, Gnosis, Gnosis, the knowledge of Gnosis is so high, it goes to where who uh, accommodate this knowledge, digest this knowledge. At that time, the sultans and the people in Konya, in Malatya, in those areas were high level. And even when Ibn al-Arabi was tried to kill, poison it in Cairo, in Konya, after three or five years in Konya, he was welcomed by sultans. 
So you see the difference. So I am uh, omitting this part and uh, uh, there are some names of tekyas uh, in Istanbul or very interesting names of tekyas which I collected all of them, the followers of Ibn al-Arabi schools. Uh, the first tekya in Istanbul was Sumbuliya tekya, uh, you know, Sumbuliya tekya, which is uh, a, the Sufi master, Sumbul Efendi, was fond of, lover of, of flowers, uh, so the courtyard of his tekya was full of this flower, uh, hyacinth, uh, the flower is Sumbul, uh, hyacinth, so the tekya was smelling of this uh, perfume, of this uh, special. Uh, for one information, uh, who may interested in, uh, especially in the courtyard of this tekya, there are two ladies were burnt, their tomb, and it is not well, very well known. And according to Sufi tradition of Istanbul, it was believed that those two daughters were grand uh, daughters of uh, Sayyidina Imam Hussein. It was believed so. In every year, it was visited by Sufis. So, uh, ethnocultural diversity of those Akbarian tekkas in Istanbul, in Anatolia, also is a different variety. We see Albanians, Arabs, Turkmenes, Caucasians, Persians, etc., and also Bosnians. Uh, they were met in this part. And there were some uh, Habeshi or Siyahi, uh, Negro uh, Tekkes in Istanbul as well, in Anatolia. Uh, Gypsy Tekya, there were Gypsy, uh, the Sufi master was Gypsy, uh, and the followers were Gypsy. And Sheikh Esad Efendi of Mevlevi order, he was originally Jew and converted to Islam and became uh, Mevlevi, and he, he taught to the students and followers Al-Futuhat al makkiyya He taught this book to, to his followers. Another Sufi poet, it is called Fevri, Fevri Efendi, is originally from Kroz, from Croatia. He reported how he became follower of Ibn, Ibn al-Arabi. Very strange. From Ottoman sources I'm reading it. He reported to one of his famous Ottoman historians is Ali Efendi. Ali Efendi was his friend. So Ali Efendi reported what Fevri said to him in his book. He said that, I was a villager in Croatia, and in a dream I saw a man. Uh, he said that he, I affected by so much by this dream, and in this dream... I saw a man and he said to me, be a Sufi, first go to Istanbul, study the religion externally, 
then I will tell you what to do. And he said that he went to Istanbul, study first uh, the, the entrance or introduction to the religious studies. After three years, he saw this dream again, and this man told him now became Sufi and poet. So he is a famous Ottoman poet, his favorite. He said that this, I asked him who you are. He said that I was called Muhittin Ibn al-Arabi. So Ibn al-Arabi, uh, Fevri, a Croatian, saw him in his dream during the Ottoman period. There are lots of this type of conversion to Sufism uh, with the different mechanism of uh, uh, approaching by some Sufi masters. Uh, Sultan Murad III, he ordered, when the army was going to the Baghdad, you know, in the condition of war, he ordered one of famous scholar, Nevi Efendi, you stay in Istanbul and please translate Fususul Hikam into Turkish. Sultan Murad III ordered him to translate it and made commentary on it. When Sultan returned back from Baghdad to Istanbul and he asked whether he accomplished this task or not, he said, all right, I did it. Sultan himself named this uh, translation. He put it the name Keshfil Hijab Min Wajhil Kitab. Raising the veil from the face of the book. Uh, uh, unveil uh, from the face of the book. He himself, Sultan, called uh, this, uh, the name of this book. Keshfil Hijab and Wajhil Kitab. Uh, In his commentary, Nevi Efendi, Nevi Efendi was first Turkish Ottoman translation, first Turkish translation uh, around 1005 he died uh, after. Uh, so he, he made this commentary with full of comparative religious point of view as well. He used some sentence, some uh, he used some books from Nasturiya, Melakaniya, and Yakubiya orders of Christian thought as well. From different Christian uh, sects, he used uh, as a uh, source of uh, explanation uh, about the angelology, let's say. Uh, so, in order to explore the teachings of Ibn Arabi, it is worthwhile to be begin by examining the prolegia to Fususul Hikam written by Dawood al-Kayseri. Dawood al-Kayseri, he is the first Ottoman uh, chief, uh, or let's say head of the university. The first uh, sultan gave him uh, uh, academia in Iznik and 
he was teaching religious studies there and teaching Fususul Hikam in Madrasa system. It is very important. So Dawud al-Kayseri's commentary on Fususul Hikam, written in Arabic, uh, very well uh, read and very well accepted all over the Islamic world, in Iran, in Central Asia, in Anatolia, uh, in most parts, especially the, the Muqaddima, the problem that to the Fususul Hikam is about, let's say, uh, 50, around 50 or 60 pages. Only these pages, introduction, uh, took attention of some scholars. They made commentary on this uh, Muqaddima. So if someone Look, look, look for a compromised knowledge or uh, introduction to Ibn al-Arabi's ideas, it can, he, he or she cannot find better than this uh, prolemegna. This uh, introduction is introduction to Ibn al-Arabi's system. Uh, although Dawud al-Kayseri from Kayseriye, we have some friends here, such as uh, Stefan Hirstein, and I remember when we first time organized a conference, international conference, and Pablo Benito also, in Kayseri, in cent uh, central Anatolia. It was nearly 15 years ago uh, when I uh, proposed the idea to organize an international conference on um, Kayseri to the municipality of Kayseri at that time. He was a the municipal himself, mayor, he was uh, associated professor, and when I asked him, he said, "Who is Dawud al Kaiser?" <laughs> He's a uh, academician uh, from the field of uh, economy, and all right, now five minutes, really five minutes, I will finish. And uh, I said, "No, he's a very famous uh, from your city, from Kayseri, uh, Dawud al Kaiser." He was suspicious about it. He says that, well, um, do you think that uh, someone will attend, will come, or 10 or 15 people? I said, no. I will bring you some people from Spain, from Britain, from uh, Japan, from everywhere. They work on him. He said, no, you are joking. You are kidding my <laughs> And at the end, uh, my friends, maybe they remember, at the end, in the Congolution dinner, he confessed. He said that. I'm, I'm shamed. I'm from Kayseri, he said. I'm from Kayseri. I am associated professor. And when uh, Dr. Kilic uh, proposed to organize this meeting, at the beginning I was a little bit, you know, hesitate. Uh, now I saw that many people from all over the world worked on Kayseri, Dawud al-Kayseri, and me, I don't know him anything, uh, so I'm ashamed. And later on, he uh, did, uh, he named Dawud al Kayseri one of the uh, big streets in, in Kayseri now, uh, after his name. It is, uh, so, uh, Dawud al Kayseri's introduction, I can read some of them. It is uh, uh, in five minutes, this is not important, it is not I impossible. The follower of uh, Dawud al-Kayseri, uh, Mullah Shamsuddin Muhammad Hamza Fenari, uh, Mullah Fenari in Turkish context says, in Iran also is very famous Mullah Hamzoi Fenari, they call it. Uh, uh, 
uh, another story very important. When I was uh, visiting Qum uh, in Iran, as you know, Qum, uh, there are uh, religious traditional schools there. And I saw a young mullah is going to uh, uh, classes and holding uh, a book. And I saw his Misbah uh, al-Uns of Mullah Fenari. Uh, I know Mullah Fenari, who is Ottoman, Hanafi, Sufi, but Sunni, uh, not Shia. Uh, he made a commentary on it. And just uh, for an examination, I asked from this young uh, Mullah, I said, Oh, which book is holding with you? He said, this, is, this book is very important. When I will pass my exam from this book, inshallah, I will be uh, graduated from seminary. Uh, I will be mullah. Uh, I said, okay. I said, who is the author? He said, Allomayi Buzurki Shia. He says, the, the grand master of Shi'i thoughts. Uh, I said, wow. <laughs> and I told him that, no, my friend, this is uh, Mullah Fanari, is an Ottoman, Shaykhul Islam, is a Sunni, uh, doesn't matter being a Shia or Sunnah, but for your information, just, is uh, a Sunni. Uh, I don't care actually to be a Shia or Sunnah, uh, but in a, in a scientific uh, point of view, Yes, he's a Sunni. So he was a little bit, uh, he said that maybe he looked at me a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, Mullah Fenari made a commentary called Misbahul Uns on Sadratin Konevi's book. Uh, very famous and high level. I, I wish it would be one time in future it will be translated into English, uh, inshallah, I hope. Ismail Ankaravi. Before Ismail Ankaravi, uh, um, I have three minutes more. Sakib Mustafa Dede, famous Mevlevi Sufi master. He is from Ibn Arabi's descent. He was Ibn Arabi's grand, grand, grandchildren. He is a Sufi Mevlevi master from the Ibn Arabi's genealogy. This is, you see how they meet each other. Big Mevlevi master and meeting point of Akbarism and Mevlevism, Ismail Rusuhi Dede or Ismail Ankaravi. He made commentary on Mesnevi from Akbarian point of view. It was translated into Persian, but uh, it's still Ottoman uh, Turkish. And uh, it was translated at the beginning of this century. It was translated into Arabic as well, but never published. Once it was published in Aleppo, then it was not published uh, in, uh, I think, at the beginning of this century. So, uh, I am just, I will mention some names in two minutes. Uh, Abdullahi Bosnevi, uh, another famous uh, Ottoman Akbarian, maybe. Why Akbarian, I said? He had a commentary on Fusus Ulikam, at the same time has commentary on Mesnevi Sharif of uh, Mevlana Jalaluddin Rumi. <coughs> uh, but uh, let me mention the name only. The names are very important. The name 
of Bosnavi's commentary on philosophy camp, it is very, uh, in a sense, uh, tantric. Tejelliyatu araisin nusus fi manassatihi kamil fusus. How we can translate it? We can, we can translate it like this. The unveiling of the bride of text in the brittle bed of the wisdoms of the book of Fusus. So tantric. <laughs> uh, it says thank you. So, oh, name. Well, Ismail Hakkı Bursevi, I couldn't enter, uh, maybe next time. Uh, before coming to an end, one quotation from a contemporary Sufi master, you may not know, which is very important. Uh, he says that he died 20 years ago. In his book, he mentions that in 1940s, a Turkish diplomatic corp came to states for a mission. At that time, Roosevelt, FDR, uh, Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, wanted to see him, see them, and uh, yes, they met. And President Roosevelt asked them a very interesting question. He asked, what do you think about Muhyiddin ibn Arabi? Roosevelt asked from the Turkish group. It was reported in his book. And he says that the main question is this. After uh, Ibn al-Arabi's uh, dying at that time, then his death, then the Ottoman discovery, there is around three centuries. Why some Muslims were hiding him, were against him. He wanted to uh, ask him this, the answer of this question. And very strange what he said. Uh, he learned something, he listened from them, then he said, I admire Ibn al-Arabi, and in my, uh, on my table, I preserve Futuhat al-Makkiyya, four volumes. I, I finished first and second one. Now I am reading the third volume. So uh, you may not hear it before. Uh, I read it uh, from a, a, a diary of a Sufi master. Uh, he reported from his master. Lots of things, but time is very short. Thank you very much. Yeah.